Now folks, this is a serious content warning. Now for those of you who actually need a content warning, switch off now. No judgement, just switch off, you probably do not want to hear this. I'll now give you 10 seconds of silence to use to take whatever device you are using and switch it off now. Now for those of you who are still listening and would like to know what sort of content you are being warned about, here are the subjects we will be discussing. Kidnapping, domestic abuse, gaslighting, verbal abuse, manipulation, marital fraud, controlling relationships, emotional blackmail, emotional and verbal catfishing, obsessive behaviour, heavy-handed bodily touch, sudden switching of personas or personality, passport theft, and I've left this for last, and for good reason. The final content warning is relationship red flags. Now folks, the point of this podcast is to give some insight as to some of the red flags that people may experience during relationships. Celeste has been very, very generous to tell her story, and it's not an easy story to tell, but she's agreed to tell it in the hope that it may help people who may be in danger of being caught up in an abusive relationship, the signs, signals, and red flags to look out for in the hope that they may avoid this horrifying situation themselves. Now, this episode is not for everyone. I assure you this is serious. If you are not in any current mental state to deal with any level of disturbing material, please turn off now. Folks, during the duration of this podcast, you will notice that a lot of names have been censored out, uh, most specifically that of the abuser. Now, this is not to protect his identity. Uh, We'd love to absolutely name and shame the absolute fucking disgrace. This is to protect our interviewee, who still lives in very much fear of her life. Alrighty, folks, welcome to Talking Shit with Fraser You Bastard, the show about who the fuck knows, but hey, anything goes. Alright, folks, so to start off today with, we have a bit of a grim situation. Uh, folks, this this is going to get very heavy. Now, folks, we're going to be talking to Celeste, a, uh, a survivor of... Well, not just domestic abuse, but domestic abuse on fucking turbo. Uh, She was kidnapped. She was uh, beaten severely. She was absolutely... uh, I'm not even going to go through all the motions here because I'm going to let her tell her story. Uh, But folks, prepare yourselves. This is grim. Are you there, Celeste? I am indeed. Yes, yeah. And uh, he's not wrong. It is grim. It's going to get very dark. So, uh prepare yourselves. <laughs> so Celeste, so what I generally do is, uh, when I start with these things, what I like to do is start from the start. So um, would you like to describe to me, say, your story and how it began? Sure thing. Um, well, I guess I should start kind of before this crazy roller coaster of trauma began. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, but I want to, before I start all that, I want to say, like, the reason I'm so chirpy now it's because at the end of this mammoth horror story it is actually a happy one. There is a victorious ending, um, despite it being mega dark and horrifying. But, yeah. Um, right, yeah, so let's begin. Um, yes. Right, so the year is 2010, sometime in the autumn. I'm 23 of age, living in my own place, free as a bird. Um, I've just come out of a relationship from which he totally took me for granted, and I just had enough, basically. 
um at that point i was like no one's gonna love me for who i am i am done i'm gonna be a spinster with 50 cats it's not gonna happen <laughs> so i was pretty sad i was like pretty down in the dumps um but to be fair we should never have been in a relationship anyway to be honest um we didn't have that much in common and we we're both off as friends mm-hmm. but um yeah anyway my head full of confusion and concern wondering if i'd lost a friend and if i would ever be in a relationship where i wasn't being taken advantage of or being let down or whatever you know i was really worried because my relationship history sucked it was just bad decision after bad decision mm-hmm. so yeah imagine my surprise when out of the blue on facebook yeah facebook <laughs> some guy called starts paying attention to me okay and he's like asking about my day and things like that we start to get talking and i've always been someone who like just says it as it is i know my own mind so mm-hmm. i have got zero filter and i'm just really honest oh you're gonna get on well with mine oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah basically we uh were chatting over facebook messenger for a couple of weeks and then like by this point we were talking like hours every day mm-hmm. um so when i was having like feelings confusions about my ex i like told him i wanted a male perspective on the situation as he by this point had shown to me that he was very good at playing devil's advocate and seeing things in a way that i wouldn't like seeing the bigger picture and such but that was when he slammed on the charm (laughs) he would say stuff like you're a beautiful and successful woman any man would be lucky to have you and should feel honored to be by your side or i really feel you yeah i get what you mean or i wish that i could be there to take care for you and bring a smile to a beautiful face i should have cringed at that and gone like you know what you're good bye But me being the naive fool that I was back then, I was, like, blown away and flattered. And I loved the attention. There was this, like, dark, tall... Okay, he's not handsome at all, but you know, imagine, (laughs) tall, dark, kind of plain (laughs) guy in Egypt, and he's paying me attention. So um, we had a lot in common, like, with thoughts, principles, morals, or so I thought. Um, same music, same tastes, same culinary preference, uh, preferences. We even had like our tea and coffee the same way. It was ridiculous, like how similar we were. Mm-hmm. So um, we just had good banter as well. And he would show that he cared and he was foreign. So it was the element of, oh, he's so exotic. I'm so lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is all sugar-coated bullshit, basically. Well, <laughs> so we've been chatting away. So fast forward a year, we've now entered a long distance relationship. So I'm doing my normal work full time, going to body transformation boot camp twice a week. So that's like army training fitness. Um, so I was quite slim at that point. Um, and I was meeting up with friends every weekend for cocktails and a catch up. We go out dancing and all of that. But um, over the course of this year, it became apparent that an ex of his was trying to poison him against me and me against him. <laughs> I wish you bloody succeeded now, you know what I mean? Um, but anyway, he carried on with his uh, manipulation, and this was when the mind games would come into play. Okay. So he would say stuff like, if you don't come see me in Egypt right now, what is the point? Like, if you even love me, you'd be here right now. And if you don't come to see me this month, I am dumping you for Ooh. And so by this point, he had me wrapped around his little finger, because he made me believe every word he said. Mm-hmm. He would say things like how... I'm amazing, I'm magnificent, I deserve the best, and he could give it to me, and 
I was so dumb. Like, I was so blind and, like, young, foolish, stupid and naive. I just fell for it. I fell for it hook, light and singer. Like, I was desperate to be loved for who I am. And he made me believe that I was perfect. It didn't matter that I wasn't religious and that I liked to drink and have a laugh. But there were times when he would have a full-on shouting fest at me. So this is only a year into this 10-year story. Uh, so, so just quietly, I should have known. Yeah. It was shouting fest as in, like, was this online before you'd even met? Yes, yes. We'd never met face-to-face. So we were chatting through Facebook Messenger or um, WhatsApp with, like, video calls, things like that. And he'd start so, shouting um, at you. Over, over what? Uh, here we go. Well, right. he would shout at me if he saw me wearing anything that didn't cover my shoulders or if it showed <gasps> a little bit of cleavage and things like that because he thought I was dishonouring him. And he would say things like, it makes me look like I'm a cheap whore. Whoa. So I was like, excuse me? Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. That should have been a red flag for me. And we argued about it quite often. Mm-hmm. And he would insist on seeing a picture of me with a jumper on. It like seconds after we hang up the call from shouting at each other. <laughs> so Oops. I'd be like, you know what, fuck it. I'll just stick on a jumper, send him a picture. But unknown to him, I'd just take the, pic- the jumper right back off and send the picture flicking my middle finger at the phone. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. So you can see from this point, I'm like a girl that knows what I want and I'm not going to be forced to be something I'm not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though he said all the stuff that I fell for, I still was going to stay true to me regardless. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think he began to suspect things because that was pretty much when he started to insist on pictures every morning of my outfit before work. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he would tell me to get changed if he felt like my clothes are too tight or it showed too much. And then if that wasn't an issue, he'd be like, your makeup is too glamorous. And he was saying that I was clearly whoring myself out. So once again, dishonoring him and he may as well get with. Wow. So hang on a sec. Who's. It's his ex. The one who like, fell head over heels madly in love with him and like she's in so he's in Egypt obviously clearly trying to escape Egypt and live anywhere else in the world <laughs> um so yeah he was like using that blackmail or manipulation saying like if you don't do this I'll get with my ex so you'll be alone again he basically made it out like as if I wasn't with him I would never be loved I would never be respected i'll never be treated like the queen that i am whatever that means so um yeah he would do that quite often and it was like i should have recognized that as a red flag and like him trying to manipulate me to doing things that he wanted Mm. with the threat of ending everything yeah i just didn't see it look it's hard i think there's a lot of people who've been in that situation where they're just so desperate to hang on to someone that they'll let them practically get away with anything yeah, that's exactly what happened. I was so... That's exactly right. Yeah, I was desperate. I was mm. desperate to be loved, and I was desperate to be accepted. And he basically catfished me in the sense of feet, of saying, you know what, you're perfect just the way you are. I love you for who you are. It doesn't matter you're not religious. doesn't matter that you drink. doesn't matter that you have friends I don't really necessarily agree with, that sort of thing. So, I mean... I should have seen that as a red flag and been like, dude, hell no. <laughs> I uh, mean, there's just... quite a lot of 
That's quite a lot at that point. It is. Just for anyone who's been living under a rock, um, catfishing is when someone sends you a photo of themselves being prettier than they actually are or more handsome than they actually are. When in real life, it's uh, they're not quite as good looking as they're being shown in the photo. Of course, what Celeste is referring to here in the catfishing is more of a verbal catfishing, so to speak. So just wanted yeah. to get that out there just in case anyone was kind of wondering <laughs> what you uh, meant about the catfish thing. Yeah, so basically, um, in that sense of catfishing, it was the sense that he made himself out to be like Prince Charming. And he made it out like his personality and character was like the perfect man, as it were. It's like a gentleman someone who cared and yep. that was all bullshit <laughs> yep. um, so yeah I mean at this point there's a lot of red flags I mean I had to show my outfit each morning I had to reduce my makeup I had to cover myself up and he would keep calling me a whore and threatening to leave me if I didn't yeah that's fucked yeah, yeah but it gets worse <laughs> yes yes it does yes <laughs> even at this point before I get there mm-hmm. um he he tried to stop me seeing my guy friends for cocktails. Oh. So, yeah. When I told him to fuck off and do one, <laughs> there's no <laughs> way he's going to say to me who my friends are. Um, yeah. He didn't talk to me for three days straight and three nights. But he was flirting mega heavy to who by this point had found me on Facebook. And she was sending me pictures of their conversations with him saying how she'll go to Egypt before me and marry him and stuff like that. Okay, that's odd. Yeah, no, she's a psycho. <laughs> Are you like, sure? Stalk- like, wasn't basically him under an alternate account by any chance? No, 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 no. She's a real person called. Broad. Yeah, so she started to send me a whole load of hate and abuse, saying how I lost the perfect man and how I deserve to be alone because I'm a whore and all this. And I was like, "Girl, fuck off! Who are you? Block! Bye! <laughs> Take the trash out, whatever." And so- um. Obviously, he manipulated her just as bad as you, had the shits with you, and so basically started getting to go at you, or do you reckon she was doing it off her own accord? Oh, she was doing it off her own accord. She was obsessed with him, like fully, deeply, madly in love with him. Crazy. Like, real bad. It's like, girl, what? <laughs> yeah. She was, yeah, she was pretty manipulative too, but mm-hmm. I just wish that I could go back in time and say, you can bloody have him. You deserve <laughs> each other. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, um, back to my story. Um, I was quite young, dumb, sugar-coated, blind and ignorant at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also saw it as a challenge of her saying, like, I'm going to get there before you. I was like, right, bring it, bitch. <laughs> yep. So I booked off two weeks holiday in early May 2012. And I basically told him I'm on my way. And he starts messaging me with all these plans how excited he is, how he wants to take me on all these dates, all these places to see, things to do. And he couldn't wait to shower me with love and treat me like the queen that I am. He used to call me queen quite a lot. It's a bit weird. Right. So, um, yeah, early May comes. And I didn't bother telling my parents I was going to Egypt. It was only two weeks. And, you know, I'm an independent woman at this point. I'm an adult. (laughs) So, um, okay. unfortunately, this was during the huge political protests and there was riots and people were mass camping in Tahrir Square, but yep. I just didn't care, despite the political upheaval. He had promised to keep me safe and said that it wouldn't affect us in any way at all. Mm-hmm. And with this in mind, there was the other reason why I didn't want my parents to know, because I didn't want them knowing that I was going during these troubled times, and I, that they would believe that I wasn't safe. Yep. But I thoroughly believed, like, completely that 
we'd be fine. They'd be like, no problem whatsoever. So, holiday booked. He then tells me that I need to get a statutory declaration paper proving that I'm not married. Basically, that I'm not the property of another man, as it were. Mm. So, um, that would enable us to make a paper for boyfriend and girlfriend to stay under the same roof whilst I was visiting. Yep. So, on my day off, the week before I fly, I go to a nearby town, get this paper sorted, basically. Get it all legalised and all that. So... Everything's settled and ready. Paperwork, flight, spending money. I pack up a hand luggage size bag to work, do my last day before the holiday. But little did I know that would be the last day I worked for four years. Four, <laughs> four years. years. Four years. Jesus. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I finish work and I say to everyone, see you in a couple of weeks. Don't miss me too much. <laughs> then I get on the train. Uh, then I get to the train station to get on my train to London before my flight. Yep. So whilst I'm on the train, I message my mum saying, how am I off on holiday now? I'll be back in a couple of weeks and that I love her and I'll keep in touch. Yep. She just says, okay, love, have a wonderful time. Speak soon. Love you too. Mm-hmm. I didn't talk to her for another four days. But that I'll get into later in a bit. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to do this chronologically, but there's a reason behind that, and that is one of the signs of, holy shit, he's not the man that he spoke of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the flight goes along sm- swimmingly, is fine. I get to Cairo International Airport, and I'm messaging to say, you know what, I'm here now, I've arrived. Mm-hmm. And I walk through to arrivals, and... Uh, this is where it gets a little bit difficult to talk about because I remember vividly what I was wearing, what he was wearing, um, and he was there with a single rose, all smiles, practically skipping on the spot because he was so excited to see me. Mm. And um, so I get to him, and he literally grabs me and squeezes me so tight, and I'm like, bloody hell, this man's strong, that's terrifying. Mm. But how lucky me, he's going to be protecting me. I shouldn't fear him, you know, he's my bodyguard. Yep. Ugh, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> mm. Anyway, he's like hugging me really, really tight. And he says, we'll need to wait to get to the car before we can kiss, be a bit more intimate, because due to social etiquette, things like that in Egypt. Mm-hmm. So he takes my bag like a gent, walks with me like arms linking to basically outside of the airport. And he's just so giddy with excitement that at this point he forgets where he's parked the car. So oh. we walk around for a bit and he's like, oh my God, I'm so happy you're here. And I was like, I can't believe I'm here, to be honest. I never thought I would ever set foot in Egypt. And I still couldn't get my head around the fact that I was in Africa, a completely separate continent. Like mm. it was just like kind of surreal. Oh. Um, yeah, it's weird. So we were walking around for a while before we found the car. And it was like this old white car, kind of like an old Ford Focus style. Mm. Um, just a bit more squashed. <laughs> Imagine a Ford Focus squashed a little bit. Okay. <laughs> it was like that. So, um, yeah, he pops my bag in the back of the car, opens the door for me to get in to the passenger seat. I should have just fucking ran, man. I should have ran. And then he gets in and... He like says, "Have you got the paper?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I've got the um, 
paper, my statutory declaration saying, you know, I'm single, basically. I'm not married. I'm your girlfriend, that sort of thing. Um, so he's like, oh, great, great. Um, so then we, by this point, it's kind of late because they're two hours ahead of me, mm-hmm. uh, of us. So it was about, oh, gosh. I say late. It was the early hours. It was the early hours then because of the flight. So it was about, oh, gosh, I think about 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. So he was like, tomorrow we'll go to the embassy to get your statutory declaration certified in Egypt as authentic and then we can proceed to get the paper the following the, the very same day okay so this is may 6 2012 mm-hmm. and he's like <laughs> this is when he drops the bombshell we get out of the airport and he says right so we haven't actually got anywhere to stay i kind of ran away from home so we're gonna have to spend the night in the car Ooh. i was like what i was like what 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 so we're spending the night in the car in the middle of egypt during a political upheaval oh god where there is violence everywhere right that's yeah and he was basically like oh don't worry about it it's okay we'll just stick newspapers on the inside of the windows and then people won't be able to see in so we'll have our privacy and um also, you know, people would think we're an abandoned car. And I was like, dude, if they think we're an abandoned car, they'll just try and hack the car apart for parts. Yeah. <laughs> and then he was like, you know what? Fair point. I'll sit in the front of the car. You can sleep in the back. And I'll just drive around Cairo so we don't basically get caught. So, so did he actually explain why he'd sort of, uh, supposedly run away from home? Yeah, basically he did the whole Romeo and Juliet thing of I was Juliet, he was Romeo. He was in love with a girl his parents didn't approve of. So he ran away from me to prove that, you know, love is more victorious than honouring your parents' bullshit. (laughs) Um, Basically, he said that he ran away from home because his mother was saying she would disown him and cut him out of her will and that he was never welcome back if he didn't get with an Egyptian Muslim girl. So the whole time he had lied to his mum saying that I was an Egyptian Muslim girl. I was like, well done. How the hell are you going to get around that one? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it might have been pretty obvious that uh, one a meeting was just involved at that yeah, well, you think? I mean I'm pasty white I glow in the dark I'm that white <laughs> mm. I don't speak a word of Arabic even till this day actually that's not true I know la shokran and asif which la shokran means no thank you and asif means sorry that's all I know <laughs> Wow. out of the four years that I was there oof Jesus but, yeah long story I'll get to that one eventually absolutely yes yeah. Um, so, so you're uh, in the car. The windows are, you know, it was considering putting it up with paper. Yeah, and um, <laughs> he's still so giddy that I'm actually there that we crash. Oh no. Yeah, it's only See. a little crash, but I'm literally thrown from the back seat into like the footwell. Ooh. 
Yeah. So, because um, they don't wear seatbelts over there. So the car actually didn't have any seatbelts in the back seat. Oh, geez. Yeah. So um, he had like this really thick winter blanket for me. And I was knackered because I'd woken up early, worked a full day, got a train, got a plane, got in the car. So I was like, I'm just going to sleep. So uh, there I am lying across the back seat of this car with a winter sort of blanket over me. And he basically crashes. I get thrown to the footwell. And it hurt, man. It hurt. Yeah. And he was like, are you okay? Are you okay? He's like, parks up, checks out. I'm all right. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Um, but then he like carries on driving around. And then he parks up outside of the British Embassy where we go to certify my paper. Mm-hmm. And he gets really obsessive about this paper. It's like crazy, like Gollum with his bloody ring. You know what I mean? He was like, this is precious. You can't lose this. <laughs> Right. Yeah, so he literally had all the paperwork with him on the front passenger seat with mm-hmm. my passport because we needed it to um prove that I am me. Yep. And he was like, because you don't speak Arabic, I'll do all the talking. So come about 7am, we're like bloody hungry, so we're like, right, let's go for food find a bakery and I've told him dude I'm gluten intolerant I can't have any bread he was like yeah I know I know but this will be fine it's fine was it hell it was all gluten so I was really ill yeah and that continues on they don't accommodate people with gluten intolerances you just don't so I spent four years with gluten allergic reactions oh god yeah so what happens when I eat gluten is I balloon out, so I look like I'm ready to drop twins in about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I can't breathe. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So that's on the worst occasions. That's if I eat, like, proper meal with, like, a lot of gluten. But with this breakfast, fortunately, it was just, like, one pastry, but it was enough to make me bloat out and feel like I was going to be sick. Yep. So I was like, right. I need to, like, sit in the car for a bit. Because that's all we could bloody do. Because we didn't have a house or a hotel room or nothing. Yep. <sighs> so, <laughs> yeah, we then get breakfast. Rock up to the British consulate again. And get my paper certified. Because that was really easy. And I was like, hey, so I'm from England. This is my paper. To prove that I'm single, and I are going to go get the... Uh, paper to say that you know boyfriend and girlfriend stand the same roof that sort of thing they're like sure thing let's see your passport did that took about half an hour mm-hmm. and um, got that paper and then it was almost like as if it was like beyond obsessive he was holding on to the paper that had been stamped and signed saying mm-hmm. it was legal with both hands and he was gripping it so tight that it actually crinkled the paper Ooh. And I was like, uh, are you okay? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, no, I'm just really excited because we could basically get this paper and then we could finally get a hotel room or we could finally get somewhere to stay. So I was like, okay, sure. Didn't think anything of it. Yep. Um, so we then, I can't even remember how to pronounce it, but there's this, basically this district in Cairo that deals with all papers and uh, we go to 
the Foreign Commonwealth Office in Cairo. Mm-hmm. And tells me, so this is now the 7th of May uh, 2012. So and three days in, was it? Sorry? Was that three days in or? Um, no, just one day in. Oh, one day in, okay. One day in, yeah. So um, we're one day in to this two-week holiday, and I'm thinking, great, finally we're getting a paper so we can like not stay in the car all night, because mm-hmm. that was just uncomfortable as hell. So I was like, sweet, let's crack on, let's do it. Um, get to the Farmer Commonwealth office, and I was like, that's a bit bizarre that we're doing it here. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 they've set up a division here, basically, like a room where you can go in to get these papers done. It's just, you know, less hassle for the other offices because they've already got to deal with the population of Egypt and all this, that, and the other. And I was, me being naive and just trusting him blindly, I was like, cool, sweet, okay. So we have to wait four hours. <laughs> no, not four hours. It was three hours, something like that, anyway. So we eventually get seen to at about half past 12 and mm-hmm. uh, they're talking Arabic and this guy it's a tiny little office it's roasting I'm in jeans and t-shirts sweating my ass off just thinking oh my god get me out of here it's horrible I want to have a shower I can't wait until we've got this room so I can finally shower and get changed and um, they're talking away he says right we just need to uh at this point, I still got my passport, and I'm thinking, you know what, he's doing what he needs to do, it's fine. Mm-hmm. So, um, just says we need to take your thumbprint and put it on this paper as verification that you are you. And I'm like, uh, doesn't the passport do that? And um, then he was just like, no, 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 they need bio data as well. And I was like, okay, that's bizarre. And he was like, don't worry, they're going to do it with me as well. So I was like, uh, okay. I should have cottoned on at that point that because he was a national of Egypt, that they would have already had his biodata if that was a requirement. But I just didn't. I just it just didn't enter my mind because I was just desperate for a shower at this point. Like I want to get out of these clothes. It's a stinky, tiny, dark office, nasty. And um, at one minute past one on the seventh of May, twenty twelve, the guy who has been talking Arabic to this whole time says. Congratulations, you're married. Oh. I was like, what? What? Say that again. He's like, you're married. And I was like, no, I'm not. And he's like, yeah, you are. I mean, you literally signed it here. There's your passport. There's your thumbprint. You're married. I went, am I fuck? <laughs> Stormed oh. out, left the building. Mm-hmm. And I'm fuming at this point. He like runs down after me. I slap him in the face. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we aren't fucking married. We are not married. I did not come here to marry you. I am leaving. I'm going home. I'm getting on the first flight home. And he went, well, good luck with that because I got your passport. You're not going anywhere. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Whoa. And that was when his true character started to show. Oh. So... He, instead of linking arms, grabs my bicep, forces me into the car, drives me to this building 
that has no roof. It's got a stairwell. One big singular room. I couldn't tell you where I am. Mm. All I know is somewhere in Cairo. The roof, the ceiling has holes in it. The roof has, like, I mean, the stairwell, there is no roof. It's open to the elements. There's geckos. There's sand galore. Cause of course, I'm in between two deserts at this point. I'm between the east and the west desert. So there's sand everywhere. Everyone's speaking Arabic. Like, stimulus overload. It's loud. It stinks. It's roasting. And the air was thick with sand and dust. And I just remember being sat on my luggage outside the door of this property whilst he fumbles around trying to find the keys. I'm thinking, what the actual fuck is going on in my life right now? Where, what the fuck is going on? Like, holy shit. How can I get out of this? And I realised I couldn't. He had my passport. I was trapped until he let me have freedom basically but how the hell would I get that freedom because I'm now married to this prick so it was at that point it dawned on me like holy shit I need I'm in a bit of a pickle right now I need to get out of here somehow Mm -hmm. and uh, then he literally shoves me into this room which is once again full of geckos cobwebs two beds, a sink, and this weird kind of like gas ring to cook on, and a bucket. Oh dear. Yeah. Um, then he just says, I've got to go somewhere. I'll... <laughs> Good luck getting out of here. You can't go anywhere anyway because I've got your passport, so... You're stuck here for now. And then he leaves. And I'm there, like, left in this dark, sand-covered, stinky room. I just burst into tears. I'm, like, freaking crying my eyes out. I've, I've never cried so hard that it actually felt like as if my insides were coming outside and I was choking. It was... Oh, my God. There are no words to describe the desperation the fear and the, oh my god the serious blinding rage you have no idea like there's no words to describe the rage of what I felt and how stupid I felt because it was like the true colours came out then and it was like yeah you got played but you got played well good yeah. so uh, that was just the start of the horror story <laughs> Alright folks, you've been listening to Talking Shit with Fraser, you bastard. Now, obviously this is only episode one of Celeste's story. There is many, many more horrifying episodes to come. Uh, Folks, as much as I hate to say it, if you want to continue listening to Celeste's story, click the like, click the subscribe, and look folks, if you actually know somebody who you think might be in a similar style of domestic abuse situation that may benefit from hearing this, please share it with them, Uh, make sure you do it very discreetly, and uh, yeah, we will catch you on the next couple of episodes.